Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Latanya Wilkins, who is the founder of the Change Coaches LLC. And Latanya works with C-suite and executive leaders and their teams where human connection and cultural change really happen below the surface. Latanya is a credentialed coach and author and sought after keynote speaker who has inspired audiences all over the world. And today, Latanya and I are going to talk all about how you can make DE&I a part of your everyday leadership. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I'm sitting down with Latanya Wilkins. And I'm so excited for this conversation because we are going to be talking about how you, as a leader, can bring DE&I into your everyday leadership approach, thinking about what can you do in your interactions, in your communications with people, just even how you respond in a meeting to make sure that you are practicing things that build an inclusive culture, that make sure people feel seen, respected heard, and valued. Latanya, I have been looking forward to this, and I'm so excited to talk about your newest book, but please, for our audience that does not know you yet, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be, and also your newest book? Yeah. Hi, everyone. So I'm Latanya, and I run a company called The Change Coaches, and basically, we help companies and teams create cultures of belonging. I am an executive coach first. And then I do workshops and I also am a keynote speaker and master facilitator. Uh, last year, or sorry, a couple months ago, last year, it does seem like last year. Couple <laughs> right. Everything <laughs> in the last few years just right, right. A couple months ago, I wrote a book called Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different from You. And I published that book as a culmination of the work that I do. And and I culminated that with my experiences in the workplace, uh, being othered, and also my experiences in the workplace of of success. And that's what I call below the surface leaders, the people that I've worked with around that. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, One cool thing about the book is Amy Edmondson, who is the Harvard researcher who actually discovered the term psychological safety, wrote my foreword. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is fantastic. And this is a topic that we know has really kind of taken the forefront. And you um, described it as feeling othered. For those that might not be familiar with what that can look like, what does it mean? What's the definition of feeling othered? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's been my entire life. So uh, let me talk a little bit about it from like a more childhood perspective all the way up to today in the workplace. So in my book, in chapter three, I write, my chapter is, is called uh, Humans Were Born to Exclude. And I talk about my first experience that I ever remember being othered. And what that looked like is I was uh, on a, I was actually in a art class and I was uh, drawing a picture. I was the only black kid in my class. I grew up in Iowa and so there's no one else that looked like me. There's no one else that had that, that color of skin. So I was actually conflicted on what color to make the face of the person that I was drawing. And I decided on um, a color that I think I decided on yellow and the hair was purple. And when it came around to me and I showed my drawing, someone told me that that's not what that picture should look like. 
and that I was dark and that pictures should be dark. And that was the first time I felt othered. Everybody else shared their pictures and they got applause and mine was corrected. And that was, and that kind of went on and on. I talk about this in the book where, you know, on the playground, I would, I would get uh, picked last for like four square or dodgeball. And uh, it kind of all started after that incident with that drawing in the workplace, the way that I've been othered. And some of you have probably been othered as well uh, is when I, I don't really fit into one category, right? Um, you know, I, I'm a black woman. Uh, I identify as a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and so whenever I was trying to go into, for join an ERG, for example, employee resource group, I had to pick one of them and it was always hard. I was always the other uh, that didn't fit into any of those boxes. And so that's what other being other feels like. Like you, you don't fit into the boxes that are put out there for the masses and you're always an other, you're always separate. Um, you're always the exception. My gosh. Well, and what a, I mean, I can only imagine how that felt to get that feedback when you were younger, just knowing that no one else had that same type of experience and how I don't just harsh that would feel or alienating, just like mm -hmm. I'm isolated over here on an island. And when we talk about it at work, and I know we're going to go into talking about what psychology, like psychological safety looks like, you know, today versus before today, but why is it important to actually create an inclusive culture in the workplace? I mean, because some people I know in the lines of traditional leadership, they'd be like, oh, it's just your feelings. You need to get over it. And, you know, there's ways that I think people marginalize those experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously a shift now where we're starting to see things differently. But like for those that really need to still hear this message, like why do we need to make sure that we're creating a place to invite yeah. everyone to the table? Well, and I'm going to answer that with a question. Why wouldn't we? want to. I mean, humans are basically, they can make or break your workplace. Like if you can't hire the humans you need, you have no product. If you can't hire the humans you need, you can't manage people. If you can't hire the humans you need, um, you can't really grow your company. I mean, we're not in the age where AI is as yet going to be as productive as an actual human being. So why wouldn't we care about inclusive leadership? Why wouldn't we care? Why wouldn't we want to make uh, DEI as a part a part of our, our regular leadership, our day-to-day -day leadership? And I always ask that with a question. And if, if you're someone that's struggling with that and you're thinking, this stuff is really not important, why not? Why wouldn't it be important? Um, because again, it's when you think about this stuff, and the reason why I wrote this book is because sometimes we we pigeonhole DEI into a separate, but and, and a lot of times when we talk about this stuff is it is separate, but it's really a part of everyday leadership. I mean, do you manage people that are younger than you? Do you manage people that are a lot older than you? Did you Do you manage people that may have lost someone through the pandemic? Uh, do you manage a worker that um, is a different class of, from you? Again, all of this has to do with inclusion. So I think, again, I'd ask you why not, especially if you answered yes to any of those questions. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the difference between what psychological safety maybe used to mean at work or what it was before people really starting to have that as a forefront and something that we have to do. So what is the difference between psychological safety before or in traditional leadership versus where it's at today? 
Yeah, I don't really think we talked about psychological safety as as like we do now uh, before Amy's work was was really put out there. I, I think a lot of times what we talked about p- before uh, 2020, I would say, is trust. Uh, we talked a lot about how to build trust in teams. Like that was the buzz buzzword. How do we build trust with our teams? And it's the uh, trust. In order to build trust, you you have to have psychological safety. And that was kind of the missing piece, I think, that a lot of people were looking for. They were looking, they knew what that was, but it had never been put into words. And what psychological safety means is that, you know, you could speak up at work, you could make a mistake at work, you could bring your whole self to your whole self to work without any kind of punishment or repercussions or you know, any harsh judgments, which when I found Amy's work, and this is the reason why I asked her to be to, to write my forward, I was like, wow, I haven't had this in like 90% of my career. I've never had it articulated like that. Did I trust leaders? Yeah. But that's the reason why I trust the leaders is because I had psychological safety. So yeah, I don't think, again, I think we we just weren't talking about it. It wasn't put into the words that, uh, that you know, how Amy put them into for us to be able to understand this and easily digest it. No, and I love that it's something that's at the forefront because even, you know, again, we're not talking about DEI as something that's maybe exclusive to one particular part of that conversation. We're talking about being able to have that ability to bring your full self to work, your full self. I remember the thing, you know, when I talk, when I think, and I've shared this example on the podcast before, but when I received the feedback, hey, Jen, you need to be more vanilla and more of a yes man, and you need to stop laughing outside of the office. Those were all things that upon receiving that feedback, I wasn't initially going into the, oh, what's the coachable way that I can you know, rectify this? I was actually going to a place of like, wow, I don't actually add value, or I must be too different to actually produce any value for this organization. And you think about that for anyone, we're excluded when we're also penalized for who we yeah. are. What does that do for our own engagement? I mean, if you're telling me that I can't laugh and I feel like one of my things is the ability to connect with people and just see them as that, and that's sometimes through humor at work, but you're telling me I can't do that. How am I supposed to show up? And on the flip side of that, when I did kind of pull back after I got the feedback, then they had a conversation with me that that I wasn't supposed to do that. And it's so confusing. And I just eventually like just created the sense of, I don't know if this is the right culture that I want to be a part of. And I know that I wasn't the only one that had those same types of experiences. And maybe that one wasn't related to the fear of failure, but that was definitely related to who I am. I've also worked in strong fear-based cultures that people kind of always felt like they were someone, someone looking or just always feeling like you had to watch your back to make sure that like you weren't going to drop the ball or that someone wasn't after you. I guess those are the ways that I've kind of seen psychological safety maybe show up in a negative way in the workplace when we don't have it and what that does for the individual or even just adding into mental health challenges or disconnection on teams. I said a lot there. I said a lot there. You're probably like you are in circles, but I, I just love it because as someone that I don't know. I want to feel seen. And maybe that could have something to do with my own childhood, of course, but I want to feel connected. I want to feel like I matter. And that's, I feel like everyone wants to feel like they matter. And so I don't even get why this is kind of a conversation when I feel like, isn't that just being a human being? (laughs) Yeah. And I love what you said, because I think if you are a manager or you lead a team and you're listening to this, if you're trying to fix someone, like, 
when Jen described what she just described, all the stories, it was someone was trying to fix her and they, they, they didn't have the right tools and they kept buying more tools and they didn't work. And then finally, Jen just left. If you're trying to fix them, you're probably not creating a psychologically safe environment. Again, for people to bring their themselves to work, uh, their approaches to work, again, without repercussion or without harsh judgment. It doesn't sound like Jen had that, right? And if you're trying to fix someone, again, it's like hiring a marketing manager and they only can market a certain way. And if you're getting them, trying to get mold them into exactly what you want, they're probably not feeling very psychologically safe, especially if you are critis- constantly, constantly criticizing their work. And that's the opposite of it. So thank you for sharing that example, because there is a there are a lot of workplaces that still try to fix their employees. And again, they don't realize that this takes them further and further away from promoting a psychologically safe environment. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this conversation. So let's, we're going to baseline it and we're going to talk about like at a foundational level, what is diversity, equity, and inclusion and how does that relate to leadership? Yeah. So DEI, honestly, I, when I, I wrote my book, um, I say several times in my book that it's not a DEI book because I, I really think, believe that this is a part of leadership. And, and when I, before I wrote leading below the surface, I read a ton of studies and I did a lot of research and the research supports it. If in order for this to work, it has to be a part of leadership, but what is DEI? Well, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, right? Diversity is, you know, your group looking around, making sure that you have diversity within that group. Diversity does, diverse does not describe a person. That term is often used incorrectly, like diverse hire, there's no such thing. You could say, oh, I want diversity on my team, so let's hire some different types of people. But when you say diverse hire, that actually causes friction in an organization. So I try to stay away from that. That's not, that's not really what that means. Uh, so that's diversity. Equity is uh, equity is another one that's often misunderstood, and that's whoever is in a workplace. So let's say let's take me and Jen for example. Let's assume that we're on the same team. So whatever Jen needs in her career to be successful, she has access, and I have access to those same things. Not the same things that Jen needs, but the things that would make me successful. I have access to those. All right. Um, equity is not a quality like making it equal for me and Jen. It's it's making sure that. If I, again, that I have access to the things that I need in order to succeed. And what that might look like is um, equity. Like one example that I've been talking to someone, a leader about coaching a leader about, is there someone on their team that, that has a health issue and giving that person access to address their health issue um, as like the same way they would give that to someone else, Right. Um, no matter what that health issue is. And the reason why I think this is such a great example is because, um, for example, if there's if someone's having a baby, um, that's something that people celebrate in our culture. But if someone has a medical condition that has a stigma attached to it, that's different, right? And so you still have to give them equity, right? My That Jen's equity when she's having a baby has to be the same as my equity when I have a disease that might have a stigma attached to it. So that's equity. Uh, inclusion. I love that example. Yeah. And I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off because I think that's a, yeah. a great example yeah. that people can relate to. Like, oh, my colleague is pregnant. This is so great. Yeah. Of course, they'll get right. time off. Of course, we'll get that. Right. And you don't hear people 
saying like, oh my God, did you hear that Latanya is pregnant? She's going to take all this right. time off. But yet then if you're like, hey, by the way, did you hear that XYZ is sick with this? Then mm-hmm. we're like, oh, they must not care. They must right. not do this. Right. Like that is, or overweight. That. I've never heard right. that way of described. Right. And it's so right. true. Yeah. Like overweight, like things again with a stigma, um, there's, we don't think about, or even people, kids versus no kids, right? Like, like what if Jen has, you know, she could leave at three o'clock every day to pick up her kids, but you know, person B, maybe I don't have any children, but I need to take off at three every day to, to, you know, expand my education. Right. right. Again, are you giving equity? Is there equity? And it's not equal. It's equity. What I need to uh, succeed in my career might be different from what Jen might need. Uh, inclusion is basically bringing in people that uh, come from traditionally marginalized environments, I would say. Uh, this also means in a way that shares power. Uh, there's a saying out there that says something like, diversity is inviting someone to the dance and inclusion is dancing with them. I hate that saying because it's like, you're not really sharing, the sharing the power would be you're actually asking them what kind of music that you want them to listen to. That's real inclusion. Like not just dancing with them, but, you know, asking them what type of dance they'd like to do, or is, you know, asking them what type of music that they'd like to dance to. Uh, Again, sharing the power, sharing the decision-making with them. Oh my God. Like this is, and it's so important to be able to understand that differentiation. And I like that you take the stance that leading below the surface isn't just this DE&I book. It's a way of leading every single day. So let's talk about where do people get it wrong? And I know we hit on a few examples, but where, so maybe it's just in looking at this as like this mm-hmm. initiative, it's a strategy yeah. that we're trying to do. That's the first thing, but where do people get this wrong? I think when people get it wrong, again, is a it, it's it's a side dish, not the main dish. And it's the main dish, right? It's it's going to work every day and practicing what I call the three prongs of below the surface leadership. Empathy, empathy um, is the first prong. Real leadership is the second prong. And that means uh, relatable, equitable, aware, and loyal. And the third prong is psychological safety. It's bringing that into your day-to-day leadership. Before I went on my own, I led learning and development teams. Jen, you know this. And so it's, and one of the things we always focused on were leadership, like leadership development and competencies, what these leadership competencies were. And these competencies were always like strategy, collaboration, like all those types of things, right? Um, You know, and they never had below the surface, like, or anything like there's never a lot of how we treat people. It was like what we were trying to manage to. And so it's those, again, it's the hows. It's the how, how we get where we're trying to go. And that's the, that's the advice I would give is to bring this into your daily leadership. You have to um, think about this again, as the main dish, it, it's part of leadership. It's, it's part of everything that you do. You lead human beings, right? So you have to be on that level with human beings, like a computer. You have to learn to program a computer. So you also every day have to learn how to effectively build relationships with humans, especially those who are different from ourselves. Do we complicate this stuff? 
like, do we complicate it? Because sometimes I just, I really do think it comes down to, I love that you say it's like, it's the main piece. It's not just a strategy. It's a way it's your, how of how you show up as an individual. How in the heck did we get so far away from understanding how to treat people as that? And I know that's actually a loaded question and we could probably go a lot of different ways, but to me, in some ways, I just feel like it seems so like, don't be a, a, a jerk. Like, understand that we're going to have different points of view. Understand that we have different life experiences. And I'm going to treat you as a human being and love you for being a human being. But yeah. yet, somehow, we're not able to deliver that. Because otherwise, this wouldn't be a conversation. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like, why, why, keep, why do we complicate this? Yeah, so there's an article that I cite in my book. And I also, um, I do a lot of leadership uh, team coaching especially with executive teams. And I, I give them this article a lot, but it's uh, it was written, um, I think it's an HBR article, but it was also appeared in Anthropology Today and in a journal, a couple other journals. And it's called Why Diversity Initiatives Fail. And like I said, HBR repurposed it in 2020. So you could go search that in HBR, you'll find it. But it's because we focus, on, again, on the wrong things. The number one thing that we focus on that's overcomplicating it and making it worse is that we mandate the stuff. Nobody likes being told what to do. Okay. So when you start mandating things, then no one's going to want to do it. The number two thing we do is it's an us versus them. So we did all these companies did all these trainings around, Hey, these are the different types of racial groups you work with. These are the kinds of, you know, women's groups you work with. This is what disparate impact is. People want a role in making change. They want a role in culture change. So when you're doing these mandatory trainings, you're telling them what not to do. You're not telling them what to do. And you're not letting them kind of decide what to do. So again, the second thing is control. Again, we we put these things out there. The third is uh, training. So, and I hate, this is going to be controversial, but um, that's also cited in the article. A lot of organizations just do training and they stop there. Uh, Experiential learning is really uh, what's going to help. Another thing that's going to help is uh, exposure, exposure to different types of people in the world. So again, if you, and in your organization, so again, if you're siloing people and making them do training and then you're done after that, that's not going to work. But again, you have to have some way to, to practice this and reinforce. And so, yeah, we're overcomplicating it because these are, and that's just a few facts of what the science says. Um, we're not following and practicing what the science says. Again, we're just, we're arbitrarily putting together these DEI functions. That's what every company did in 2020, especially in 2020. They're like, we got to have a DEI, you know, a chief diversity officer, we're so excited. And then it's a separate thing and it's disconnected. Again, from leadership development. I've had that experience. I've seen it. So yes, we do overcomplicate it. I like that different, or I just appreciate that because I didn't ever hear the perspective of, or I don't know if I thought about it that way until you just shared it, that you're mandating a way to treat others. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces, I think that's the un, one of the undercurrents of a DEI is also the ability to be curious with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could I learn? What could, you know, what experience do they have that I don't have? And then you mandate it. And initially it's just placing judgment into a thing that's 
maybe prevents us from even being curious in some capacities because we're like, well, I'm taking this judgment on, so I'm closing down the conversation instead of being like, hey, what could be a different way that I could approach this? Like, I never thought about that until saying, yeah, when you make it a, a forced thing, then you remove curiosity and then it becomes more of this us against them right. like argument. That's, I don't yeah. know why I didn't think about that. <laughs> like as an obvious consequence of mandating this as a strategy instead of just, how you treat people. Yeah, it's interesting too, because in social psychology, I mean, there's different types of control, right? There's formal control, which is like policies and and uh, compliance and of course, structures and systems, but then there's also social control, which can be good or bad, but social control would be like, you know, your organization is so committed to, you know, DEI or having a culture of belonging that there will be social consequences instead of formal hand slaps. Right. And, and so again, that's another thing that orgs get wrong is like they get stuck in this kind of compliance space. And again, I'm not saying we don't need HR policies around some of this stuff, but it's like a lot of times we put way too much energy there at the expense of the organizational or the social type of control stuff. Well, and are you having the conversation? I think of an example I had heard Mm -hmm gosh, this is probably a few months ago, of um, a set of employees from a specific like regional office that were not necessarily happy about all of these new like DE&I initiatives. And whether or not I agree with their happiness, I wonder if part of the reason that it also went wrong is like there wasn't a curiosity conversation around like Mm -hmm. what this really can look like and why it's important, right? Like they don't tell the why. They just say, well, we're going to make sure we're aligning with this. Like, but they're maybe not taking the time to slow down. Like, hey, here are the things that you may not have visibility to. And this is why this matters. Yeah. Yeah. And as a coach, I think that's important because uh, as a coach, when I when I run when I coach teams, and we talk about um, you know building cultures of belonging and doing these human centered design sessions, I always make sure everybody has a place in this, and they decide what their place is. And again, we don't let people do that when we're doing this old school type of approach. As Jen said, there's no room for curiosity, and there's also no room for someone to decide like how they're going to make an impact, right? A head of finance or someone that works in finance, that may look way different than someone working in HR, right? And so letting them kind of decide, like, how do I want to do this in my organization? Like, what does my commitment look like? And how can I inspire my team? And it's different for every organization. Like, we we were talking about this too. It might be different also for US-based versus global-based. That's why it's so important to let people, to kind of give people, like, the base and let them decide, you know, the seasonings and everything else from there, because then they're going to be more committed to it because it's their goals. It's not the company, again, pushing things on them. Yeah. They can take their own unique expect or experience perspective right. and figure out how they can add value. Right. I love that. Crosscom is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, 
Crestcom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at Crestcom.com. So how do you, okay, here it is. This, we're going to just simplify it. How do you create an inclusive culture? <laughs> oh, I know that's our gosh. next question. And that's where your book is. And I don't want to make it yeah. sound in any way that this is just like a one, two, like implement mm -hmm. the strategies, especially as we talked about, like how mandating isn't necessarily the way to go. But what are some things that we can do? Not mandating. What are some <laughs> things we can do to create a more inclusive culture? Yeah, so... Earlier, I so if you are someone that is leading a team, earlier I talked about um, you know the three prongs of below the surface leadership. Also, in my book, I talk about uh, different tracks of change, and so I'm assuming most of you that are listening are probably leading teams. And so let's take the leadership track. So you could create this on your team. You can, and I think there's a couple different ways to kind of get started. Again, the three prongs of below the surface leadership are real leadership, uh, empathy and empathetic listening, and then psychological safety. So first study the real leadership uh, principles I talk about in the book. Again, relatable, equitable, aware, loyal, all the things, you know, DEIs kind of ingrained in there. That's everyday leadership to be show up and be a real leader. With empathetic uh, listening and empathy, and empathy one of the things that I found is that we're all capable of being empathetic. We just don't know how to access that, right? It's really hard for a lot of um, leaders to access that, especially considering the roles that they're in. Again, the leaders are there to fix things. They're there to, to make things sure that things stay on the tracks. And so um, one of the things you can do to start with is I challenge all of you uh, to, to go to your next staff meeting and just sit back and listen and observe your team. Observe how they're interacting. Observe who's fitting in and who's not. Observe if there's someone dominating. Observe if that's how you want these meetings to go. Access empathy. Access trying to get in other people's shoes as they're going through um, their team meeting. This, I, this is so important because this is, again, this is how you start accessing uh, empathy, and this is what I call person to belonging listening. So again, if you could do that and you can kind of follow up from there, that is going to go such a long way with people feeling included because I'll feel like you listened to them and that you saw them. And especially if there's someone, again, that was getting talked over or whatever. The third is psychological safety. And this one's hard, really hard to do. And I will, I will admit that. But one of the things you can do is provide so like an article around psychological safety, there's tons out there. You could provide my chapter on psychological safety. I have a whole chapter on how to create that on a team. Give it to your team, have them read it, and then come together and say, okay, now that you've read a little bit about psychological safety, how can we create that on our team? What are what, what do you think are, are some of the ways that, that you think we could do this? And again, those are three easy ways. These are three accessible ways just to get started with creating a culture of belonging, especially on your team. And from there, then you can scale to your organization. But one, one interesting fact is like, when you ask employees about their culture, their culture that they have and whether or not they have a culture belonging, usually they're going to answer that question with their team in mind, not their org in mind. So start with your team. 
I mean, absolutely. You could see different ways that that manifests in the culture that maybe makes it not seem like a culture that's very like a belonging culture versus on your team, your leadership might be taking the right actions um, to be able to make the right environment. I'm curious about like the empathetic listening component, because I think that, you know, if we want to deep dive into that in terms of how that derails teams or why you need to start doing it, I think of first the piece of what are all the things that you're not missing just by not slowing down or by having your Mm -hmm. face down into your phone, reading an email, Mm -hmm. instead of realizing that you could have someone that's a top performer that maybe feels discouraged or just not included on their team. That's actually ready to think, oh, maybe I'm going to go somewhere else, but you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. So I feel like a lot of this is just right in front of you if you actually take the time to do it. Um, And I think we complicate it again with strategies. What should I be doing? Paying attention. So I just think Mm -hmm. that's a huge piece that a lot of people miss out on. Like they're too busy thinking about how can I get budget to, you know, give people more Mm -hmm. money instead of thinking what's actually going on in my team right now that could create a bad place or a place where people just don't feel like they belong. Absolutely. And that's uh, like, there's two different listening uh, ways to listen that I talk about in, in the empathy chapter, one's person, to person listening. And that's what you described. The second is person to belonging listening, which I talked about earlier, just looking around from person to person. It's just, there's so many people. How many of you have felt this way where someone asked you how you're doing and you know, they zoned out when you answered it. Right. <laughs> and there's too much of that going on. And so person to person listening is playing things back, you know, matching the energy of the other person, um, you know, trying to come from a place of curiosity and asking powerful questions, like all those things are important. And we, we frankly do not do enough of it, as you said, Jen. What do you think, like from your experience, why do you think some people um, are reluctant to maybe come into this conversation? Like, I, I would say, what are the fears that maybe a leader has from wanting to be more, I guess, curious with things? Is it a fear of like a loss of control? Is it that they find things that they won't be able to fix? Because clearly there's a reason that people are also afraid to address this in some way. And I'm curious, are there stigmas there, stereotypes, or just the, what are they afraid of where we're not doing this? The empathy part of all, or all of it? Are you talking um, about, you know, I think the empathy piece, because it's, you're talking about yeah. person to person listening. And I think sometimes in leadership, it goes against that you know? counter traditional leadership. Like this, we don't <laughs> care about them. Like emotions, like they have no place in the work. Like they should just shut yeah. that off. Yeah. You know, I do some, <laughs> it, this is really interesting. Cause I, I do facilitation for some other companies quite a bit. Right. And one of them, uh, came to me and said, well, I don't know if we want to do empathy because that seems like a very basic skill. And a lot of the leaders came back and said, that's too basic for them. And I'm like, what? Like they don't do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that's what it is. I do think that it's like when you're talking about active listening, leaders are like, oh, that's so that's basic. And I'm like, wow. Um, again, and I think Jen, I don't blame the leaders. Again, I think it's like, we have these leadership competencies and they're like these big pie in the sky, like strategy, you know, collaboration, technology. And so again, the hows are like, well, of course I know how to do that. That's common sense, but this is why we are where we are now. And yeah, that's why we don't do it again, because there's too many orgs that, that aren't considering again, these essential leadership uh, skills. 
I just, I think that this is, I mean, it's, I know that maybe I'm a little bit passionate and I want to, you know, just ask you more questions because this truly is, we're thinking about even making an impact in your organization, just seeing people, seeing them as individuals and practicing curiosity, or as you had said, even just taking the second to see things from another perspective. What about their request from you maybe isn't that bananas? If they're asking for additional time off in form of equity and support, what about blink, you know, or what are the things that you're holding on to? Maybe it's the example of like emotions shouldn't exist at work and people shouldn't show that, that maybe actually aren't relevant in what we need from leaders today. I just, I love this conversation because I think we're truly finally moving forward and having open conversations that address the fact that we are all completely different and we are human beings with feelings, emotions, experiences, so on and so forth. And we want to be seen. I just, I don't know why, again, we just shut the door on that conversation, but I think the work you're doing is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latanya, what would be, you know, knowing that we've got to be close to wrapping up, I do want to ask them where they can get their book, but what would be, you know, final, I guess, tips or just something mm-hmm. that you would want to share in closing yeah. with the audience to help them, I guess, feel the permission to actually start to find their own way to make yeah. a more inclusive culture? Yeah, so... A couple of things I'll say is we could all do this. Like it's, it's going to take a lot of practice for some of us. It's going to take some rewiring, but we can all do this. The second thing is if you're listening to this and you're like thinking, oh my gosh, I was that person that thought listening was too basic. That's okay. We forgive you. And we understand that um, a lot of structures and systems and orgs need to be changed again to, to bring some of these principles that I'm discussing to the forefront of leadership curriculum, approaches, leadership development. We're not there yet. So that's okay. So uh, just be forgiving to yourself today. If you are one of those people that was thinking, wow, this is so basic. Like this has to do with DEI. I had no idea. Yes, it does. And so that's okay. The third thing I would say is I wouldn't, don't try to memorize anything. Again, like I know a lot of times when I was doing talks, especially in 2020, when I was like, every time I did a talk, people were like, what can I read? I need to read a bunch of books. I need to do all this. That's okay at all. But we gave you everything you need today. And um, you could just, just go instead of reading like 10 books and taking yourself even further away from your team, go out there and practice that empathy that we talked about. Go out there and talk about psychological safety on your team. Go out there and, and be more curious. Go out there and start um, practicing real leadership and embracing some of this stuff because this is really where it starts. So again, those are my tips and we could all do this and I, I'm, I'm excited to see you do it too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Latanya. So where can people get your book, Leading Below the yeah. Service? Where do they pick that up? Yeah. So it's on every site pretty much where you could buy a book. So if you go to leadingbelowthesurface.com, just leadingbelowthesurface.com, that's where you can kind of pick where you want to buy your book. Uh, obviously, it's on Amazon, it's on Bookshop, Target, Barnes & Noble. So go to leadingbelowthesurface.com and you can find direct links to all those sites there. 
Tanya, thank you so much for just sharing your insights. Also, thank you for challenging the way that we look at this and how we can take it on to, you know, be a part of this where we're feeling like it's active everyday leadership. I just appreciate you breaking it down into like a how, not a strategy. I, I, I love your perspective and thank you so much for giving us a different way to look at it and approach it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. It was great to sit down with LaTanya. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you want to connect more or learn more about LaTanya, you can connect with her on LinkedIn or you can head on over to latanyawilkins.com. There you can purchase her newest book, Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different From You. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please don't forget to leave us a review. And of course, if you have any leadership development needs for yourself or your team, head on over to crestcom.com. We would love to help you develop your skill sets. Until next time.